make their living in the world of entertainment. Today's guest is the internationally touring magician, Matt Marcy. Welcome to Living the Dream, Episode 2. My name's Rich Baker, and I'm here with Matt Marcy of mattmarcy.com. I'm so excited to be Episode 2. You got the, the guy get the first one out of the way, and then you start with the big gun. Yeah, that's what I was that. like. Let's get this first one gone. No, first one was great. Um, you are Master Magician, Matt Marcy. I appreciate that that moniker. Some people say, is uh, that... Do all you? of my publicity says that. No, I don't know what that means. Yes, I'm a, I'm a professional magician. So, is Master Magician like a, a term that is used... By many magicians? You know, the funny thing is I began using it ironically because it was a... uh, I I have a a headshot that I used to use, which was a headshot of me very seriously pulling off my thumb and that old thumb gag that you do when you're like five years old. And the tag under it was Master Magician Matt Marcy. It was a a joke that I guess some people didn't get, and so now it's stuck. But hey, I'll take it, sure. I'm a Master Magician, whether ironically or not. Well, I've seen your show. I think think it's pretty masterful. Well, thank you. So, okay. Are you being ironic? I'm not. I not like it. Um, so when it comes to magic, here's the thing: is I don't even realize how I make a living as an actor because I think it's crazy. I have absolutely no idea how you turn magic into a living. I know that you're not the only one. I know it's not super rare, but it seems like it's pretty. Like how how did you go from oh this is something I'm kind of interested in to this is how I make my living? Uh, it is a small field, and like you, I. I'm still shocked every day that I'm making a living and a pretty decent living uh, doing magic shows, which seems kind of crazy. Nice. Uh, you know, when I was a kid and I, I fell in love with magic, not just magic, really performing. I did, I did some theater, I did some comedy, I did I did a bunch of stuff, and I still enjoy all that, too. But I like magic and the fact that it gives you a really wide uh, ability to be creative. You can do all sorts of things and have a lot of control over what you do, which I, which I enjoy. Uh, and you grow up learning magic and doing these things, you go, I'm going to be a professional magician, thinking you're just going to get these shows that are going to come to you and you're going to be David Copperfield and you're going to do these shows or, you know, if you'll remember David Copperfield these days. Uh, and then it turns out that that doesn't happen. And uh, I even talk about this in my show, the, the old adage that show business is 10% show and 90% business. And I didn't know anything about the business. And it was sort of, I graduated from college and I had sort of trial by fire, like you're out there trying to get jobs and, and, and doing crappy shows and, and trying to get people to, to notice you. And you, you know, it's easier these days with the ability to make up a website and things like that but, but still you got to develop a, you got to develop a show sure you know and uh, and then you got to develop a client base uh, of whatever kinds of clients you're going after and uh, before you can actually get work and and it, it, it was a long road to hoe to get to a point where I was uh, working enough on a regular basis to actually make a real living doing it for sure there were a couple of, uh, of tough scary years in there <laughs> well I bet um so, like, okay, you you live in L.A., first of all, and there are places in L.A. where you can just do a show, like, where people expect to go see a magic show, right? Well, not really that I know of. There's one place in L.A. called the Magic Castle, which is a clubhouse for magicians, and they have showrooms, and they hire magicians to do shows. Uh, but the Magic Castle... Has uh, uh, changes magicians every week, so you can maybe work there a couple of weeks a year doing shows. Once you get into the rotation of people who they'll hire, um, but it's by but it's by no means a money making operation, and it's it's a place you can get seen if you want to bring people in to see you. It's a place you can do a lot of shows and try out material when you're booked for that week because uh, it's a lot of shows each week. It's three shows a night, um, but you. 
it's not it's not a way to make money being a magician. It's it's, it's a, a way to, to to learn. And I started there when I was young, which was great. It was a great place to get my feet wet, and and I still love performing there. It's a lot of fun, um, but that's not necessarily the way you would want to. You know, uh, you can't imagine that would become be a professional magician just by working there. Yeah, or, or anywhere like there. So, like, other than Vegas, is there any town where magicians kind of set up camp and make their living there? That well, you even know Vegas of? isn't like that really anymore. I mean, Vegas now all the shows are four walled, unless you're Cirque du Soleil, which you know Chris Angel happened to attach onto as a magic show. Really, even David Copperfield, four walls that you go in and you rent the room and you rent the tax and you do the advertising and you pay for everything and you hope you fill the seats to not lose your your shirt. Uh, and, and, and it's harder and harder these days, especially with the economy with Vegas being so slow uh you know i remember the mid-90s there were 25 magic shows in vegas you know everybody was doing it that just isn't the case anymore yeah there are very few you know very few permanent magic shows in las vegas and the ones that are there are are, they're tough to get into i I, but yes you're right there are some established there. there are also probably some in branson and in atlantic city you know there's there's producers in tahoe i know there's a producer i know who does a show uh during the summer months every year um so there are sort of those those kinds of things. There's also some regular tours, uh, not just in the U.S., but around. There's a Canada tour and an Australia tour that are set up every year with a, a couple of spots. Um, but like anything, it's all very, uh, very, it's tough. It's very competitive. There's, you know, magicians find a lot of different venues to work in. If you if you want to, you know, yeah. there's, there's the cruise ship venues, of course. There's the corporate market. There's restaurant market. There's kids magic. Uh, there's uh, trade shows. The magicians go to trade shows and perform. Uh, there's the magic world itself. There's a lot of magic conventions. And some people become you know big fish in the small pond of magic, and they <laughs> they go to these conventions and they lecture and they teach other aspiring magicians and they develop stuff and they have a big name sort of in that magic world and they're sort of a big deal and famous. If you read magic trade magazines. <laughs> Uh, but I don't mean laugh at that. It's just no, it's absolutely. It's, I, you should laugh at that. I mean, it's, it's great, but for those guys, but it's it's funny. That, you know, then the people really out there working and entertaining real people uh, are often nowhere near that world. So it's it's kind of a weird disconnect sometimes. That's funny. Uh, okay, so you went to college. Did you go to college because to satisfy your parents or you or? Well, my parents were teachers, and I don't think there was ever a question that I was going to college. I think that it was just like, you're going to college. I mean, it wasn't like a a debate. It wasn't something I considered not doing. It was just, that's the next step you take. Okay. But but when you went to college, did you go with the mindset of, I'm going to get this degree, but I'm going to be a magician? Yes. I knew I wanted to come back and perform. Either do magic or do something in entertainment uh, and perform. And I, I think that my parents thought that for some reason four years of, of classes would change my mind on that. It would, it would push me more towards wanting to, you know, I don't know, be a lawyer or something. But How'd that work out for them? They were disappointed for a couple of years. Aww. They got over it eventually, I think. But you know, I'm sure they're proud of you now. Because who knows? They they've never been very effusive about that. They they I think they there was a lot of years where they were very um, wary of this whole career, you know. And yeah. and that made sense, sort of. Like I wasn't making a ton of money doing it. I was you know getting by and surviving and doing other jobs on the side for a couple of years after college. But. Uh, 
you know, like anybody, it doesn't seem like a real job. Being a magician, you can't be a magician. <laughs> I, you know, they knew I liked it as a kid and grew up sort of doing it and, and, and enjoyed it as an art form, but they... They didn't, I don't think that ever, they ever fathomed that they'd send me to go get a fancy, expensive college degree, and then I would come back and be like, I'm not getting a job. I'm going to be a magician. <laughs> what was your degree in? Political science. Perfect. Politics, entertainment, same difference. Same, yeah. The only difference is that we uh, magicians admit that they're lying to you. Well, I like <laughs> Thank it. you. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, so, did you do, like, when you were in college, did you, like, do magic at your college, or did you do little shows around? I did. I, magic was great for me in college. I, you know, when you're 18, 17, 18, you go to college, and you just are gung-ho, and you're, I, you know, I wasn't beaten down and lazy like I am now. <laughs> so I showed up, and I went, and I went to uh, every office on campus I could. I went to the special events office that produced events for the campus. I went to the alumni relations office. I went to all these offices, and I went in, and I found whoever the dean was, and I said, hey, I'm a magician, and I want to do shows for you. And I didn't even know what that meant, and it turned into an amazing thing. I ended up they bought it somehow. I ended up doing <laughs> shows for the university. They do these fundraisers. They uh, not even just there, but they all over the country. They do stuff. They bring me with them. I do uh, close-up magic for donors and things like that. Wow. I ended up getting the president of the university as my personal advisor because he was at all these events and he saw this, these tricks and he knew me. And I chatted with him. And one time I was there and he was like, "You know, how are your classes going?" And I said, "Hey, I'm okay. I got these questions about this thing." He's like, "Oh, call my secretary. I'll come and see. You. We'll fix your problems." Wow. So it ended. It ended up working out great, and over the years, I, I, I got pretty well known among the campus because I, I did shows on the campus whenever I could. And I remember my freshman year. I mean, just you know, when you're that, you're so desperate to perform. Now people ask me to do a trick, and if I'm not performing, like leave me alone, kid. You know. But then I would do anything. I would. I remember there was you know late night dining. If you didn't get to the dining hall during your hours, you know, you could go till two in the morning, three in the morning. They'd have a snack bar open. So everyone went there. Sure. And I would go stand out front of that snack bar with a little table and a deck of cards and basically force people to stop and watch card tricks, which it was a horrible thing to do. But I got tons of practice that way, you know, and and, uh, and made made a lot of progress that way. Now, I'm curious. Uh, Matt and Marcy at, in college versus Matt and Marcy now, what, like, did any of the tricks or, like, things in your act survive all these years? Yeah. A lot of them survived, actually. A lot of them survived in a altered form. They grew and developed and changed after that, obviously, as I became more comfortable as a performer and sort of understood my character on stage and my take on things and and sort of the the tone and feel of my show. um, They changed. Mm. Um, But that's the interesting thing about magic. When you get a good magic trick, for the most part, it's kind of forever. Like, a, a, the laws of physics don't change. So if it's a good magic trick, it's a good magic trick. It's all the packaging. And that's yeah. where the creativity comes in. So it's some of the greatest tricks in the world, the oldest tricks that have been around forever, but can you package them in a way that makes them accessible to the audience you're going after? Can you make them more interesting than, you know, what people imagine? I always think it's funny. People are like, hey, you're a magician. Pull a rabbit out of a hat or sauce one and a half. I'm like, why are you asking for material from, the, you know, the 1800s? You know, like, that's the, the tuxedo... To, magician is from you know the turn of the turn of the last century when that's what people wore that's why you know that's why that's that that image was there and 
It'd be funny. It'd be like going up to a band and being like, "Hey, can you play me some songs from the twenties? You know? Sure, <laughs> the 1820s, You know, it's like, but that's that's how magic is. People don't have enough exposure to it, so they're stuck uh, with these sort of iconic stereotypes of it. And so, if I can create a routine around these tricks, even if they're the same tricks, but make them sort of more accessible in a way that they relate to, uh, you can keep the same tricks forever and keep reinventing them. Boy, as a comedian, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Didn't quite work for us as well. All right, so right. still working on that Herbert Hoover material. Oh man, it's gonna. It's <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna make it work. One of these days. Uh, so, like, obviously, I know your show from the cruise ship. Uh, when you that we work on together, audience, we we're both working on a cruise ship. As I know, and so uh, if. If you, if I were to go see you do like a corporate show or something, is it drastically different? Is it slightly different? Is it exactly the same? Uh, it depends on the show. Um, one of the things you get on a cruise ship that you rarely get in a corporate show is a full stage with full lighting and full sound and a full tech crew, and that allows you to do tricks that you wouldn't be able to do on, say, a riser in a ballroom at a hotel. Ah. Uh, so there are some stuff that, that is rarely done in corporate shows just for logistical reasons. Mm. Uh, there's some stuff that I do in those shows that I don't do here. And there's some stuff that I do in those shows that is slightly altered from what I do here. And then a lot of it is the same. I think that uh, one of the neat things about magic is that if you can create a strong uh, routine, uh, often it's accessible to all different audiences, all different ages, demographics. You know, um, the, the humor might be adjusted a little bit for who they are, but uh, the trick is the trick, sort of. You know? Yeah, that's it's it's, just, it's fascinating to me, like the world of magic. So when you so you talk about how you've got some tricks that you had since like you were eighteen, but how often do you come up with a new trick? Well, I'm always working on new tricks. Okay. Uh, and working on them at different paces. You know, sometimes I'm focused on new material for the show, and so I work really hard on new material. Uh, sometimes that takes a backseat, and I don't. I don't. Uh, or I work on it sort of slowly on the side. Sometimes a trick will come, and I'll start working on it, and it will come together very quickly, and I can put it in the show very fast, and that's great. Sometimes the idea is there, but there's too many problems, and I sort of kick at it for a while and put it away and come back to it, and, you know, and then eventually it gets in. You know, I try to get uh, a couple of new pieces into the working into the show into a rotation each year. Uh, if I can do that. You know, if I could do two strong new pieces a year, I'm 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 happy. Nice. Yeah. So like if you were I don't know why anyone would do this, but if there was like someone who was putting on a magic marathon and right. said, I need you to perform for as many hours as you as you have, like like how much material do you Well think? you know who does that is Chris Angel. Or okay. anybody who's had a there's other people you probably don't know their names, but anybody who's had a weekly T V show. Mm-hmm. I mean the amount of material and people criticize him and these people and, and maybe for good reason for other reasons, but at the end of the day, there's an enormous amount of material that has to be created. I mean, if you're doing a, th- a half-hour show or an hour show, 22 or 42 minutes a week of material for 10 or 13 weeks or whatever these seasons are, 20 weeks, that's an enormous amount of material yeah. to put together in a very short period of time. So, you know, you get a lot of people to help you and work on it with you, and you have stuff of all different quality levels, and you beg, borrow, and steal stuff, and <laughs> try and buy stuff from other people. Because there's just really no other way to put together hours and hours of material in the span of a couple of months that's good and I think that's true for any art form I mean a comic uh, ask a stand-up comic, comic if they can write you know 20 hours of material this month that it's going to be oh, gold of course not absolutely not so you know it's it just it, unfortunately real 
solid stuff takes a long time to develop. Unless you're doing other people's material mm-hmm. that's already been developed. And a lot of magicians do not create anything on their own. They buy tricks that are done with routines that are done and jokes that are written by people who've already figured them out. And they go out and they do them. And they can get away with it because people just don't see enough magic to know. They're not well educated. It's not, you know, it's not like a, a band, not like music or comedy or something. Like people just see so little magic that they don't, yeah. they don't know. Um, but for me, I, I don't like that. I want to create something of my own. Why be a magician if you're just going to do other people's stuff and be interchangeable with ninety percent of the magicians out there? Yeah. But I mean, I, even among cruise ship magicians, I think probably you know the vast majority of cruise ship magicians are probably doing the same eight tricks. Or I've seen five different cruise ship magicians and I've seen a lot of the same tricks they're all doing it and not just the same trick but the same jokes and the same uh, uh, bits and the same timing and the same music and uh, and that kind of thing and they end up being interchangeable and the tricks are fine, you know. Sure. They're they're designed to to play to audiences. They're, they're they're hack tricks because anybody can do them and do well with them. Right. Um, but there's nothing original about it, and the performers tend to not. They tend to just be there like actors, just like going through the motions of these other people's tricks that they bought. There's nothing. They haven't added anything to the show. So you've got like Penn and Teller, you've got Chris Angel, Blaine Copperfield, all these people. Like, um, I assume you're. Even though you're not necessarily as famous as them, you've got to be high up on that scale as far as the amount of work you get. And all well, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of people out there doing magic, far more than I think most non-magicians realize. There's a lot of magicians in the world. Really? There are. There's a lot of them. And, uh, and there's people who are high up in different levels. There's people who are famous in the magic world. You know, they produce, they sell magic tricks or they are in the magazines or, or that kind of stuff. And, uh, and they go to the conventions and they lecture. <laughs> and then there's people who are famous because they've done TV. And then there are people who are, there's a lot of people who are successful and not famous just because they're working, yeah. whether it be on ships or in, you know, a lot of people have gone back to ships actually because as the economy died and theaters closed and corporate things slowed down and TV slowed down, the only place where you got constant audiences in real theaters were on cruise ships. So actually more and more good entertainers, I don't think it's just magicians actually, but more solid entertainers have gone back to cruise ships. Uh, and I think that the level of cruise ship entertainment in general has risen in the last five years or so um, as more and more people have gone back to, to, to do that, and uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, you know, in this world, being the most famous doesn't mean you're the greatest. Right. Uh, you can be famous and be a lousy magician. And I, I think uh, some of those people fall into that category. Some of them fall into the category of being famous and great magicians. You know, uh, I think it just d- depends on who the person is. You know? For some reason, I have in my head that like the best magician out there is some like Chinese man in a very small town that no one's right. ever heard of who can do amazing things that only like seventeen Chinese people have ever seen. There's a lot of magicians who are amazing that you've never heard of, I for sure. Guarantee that. But it depends what you mean by amazing. I mean that can do. There's so many different areas of magic. So what is amazing? He can do the most difficult card magic sleight of hand. Or coin magic sleight of hand, or is the best magician the person who can stand on stage in front of fifty thousand people and entertain them, or is it the guy who can take a video camera and walk down the street and entertain? I mean, how you define best is a is a really tricky thing because the art form is so broad. Um, uh, it'd be like you know who's the best musician in the world? Sure, you can't answer that question. You know, it's 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 the same sort of a thing. Um, 
you know, it's I, Raffy, by the way. It is Raffy. Banana phone. <laughs> Love banana phone. I don't even know that song. Oh, really? I don't know. Ding any dong, ding dong, ding. Banana phone. You don't even have kids. How do you know this? Well, you know. I'm a magician. I'm like a child. That kind of leads me to the idea of, okay, so you're a married guy, but you, you haven't, you've been a magician far longer than you've been married. How? I'm curious. When I go on dates and people go, what do you do? And I say, I'm an actor. That is a whole conversation. And some girls are like, oh, boy, I'm staying the heck away from you. And some are kind of fascinated by it. Yeah. What, did, what was it like in the dating world when you were like, I'm a magician? Well, the funny thing is, it's not just with dating anybody. There's a, a very clear divide when you tell people you're a magician. Either they're fascinated or they want nothing to do with you. <laughs> magic is a weird... There are people... A lot of people hate magic just by gut reaction. I don't know if they think it makes them feel stupid because they can't figure it out or they saw some terrible magician accost them at a, at a restaurant or a party once. But there are people who just hate magic. And you can see it in their eyes. You know, there's that, uh, I'm a magician. And they just give you, and, and you want to say, wait, you don't even know about what I do. You know, yeah. like, and you just, you're, you know. Uh, and then there's some people who are just fascinated. Like, well, that is crazy. Um, in the dating world, I, I never picked up a girl doing magic. <laughs> uh, when I dated them, they would come see my shows, which is always good. I mean, you can't go wrong watching so. I mean, someone will actually sit through my show and see that I'm talented and competent and confident on stage, it's going to eliminate a lot of the stereotypes that may be in their head about a magician. Sure. And I think my show kills a lot of stereotypes anyway about magicians. Yeah. If you come and expect to see a quote-unquote magician, a kind of tuxedo selling someone a half or whatever you think you're going to see, you're not going to see that. Yeah. Um, so I think that helps. So, yeah, I mean, I, I never hit it. As, I never, it was ever a secret that I did, did magic. And, and uh, I think a lot of people's reactions, what, what does that even mean? What do you mean you're a magician? <laughs> is that a job? What does that even mean? You know, and yeah. until you really understand it, you do. And I did not meet my wife doing magic actually, and and, and it had nothing to do with magic. So okay. she she found out after we were dating, or, uh, and didn't we go friends. running. Good and for her. didn't go didn't go running. Now she's probably running. Now she doesn't want anything to do with the magic anymore. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I married a magician. Uh, <laughs> so you've been on TV a fair number of times. Yeah, I've been on TV a handful of times. I've been uh, I've done a bunch of different um, uh, sort of variety shows and talk shows and interviews and things like that. And you were in like what Fox Master of Illusion? Uh, Fox produced a, a show called Masters of Illusion, which I did several episodes of. Um, and uh, you know, I've done a bunch of guest spots on various types of shows around the country. But right. but for the most part, which is great, TV is always a great way to, to get legitimacy, and I wish I did more of it. Unfortunately, I don't create the kind of material that's right for TV, especially these days, you know? I mean, you want flashy 90 seconds of pizzazz, sort of. And I do sort of, as you know, seeing my show, more yeah. uh, elaborate, longer-developed Routines that take six, eight, nine minutes. Uh, sometimes with callbacks to other things that are developed into an actual show to do in front of an audience for an hour, and not, you know, wham bam, thank you, ma'am, uh, before the cameras. You know, and, and I see this especially now. It drives me nuts. You know, America's Got Talent is very popular. Yeah. And the, I guess I don't really watch it much. They call every year, and I say I can't, I can't do your show. I don't have ninety second bits or sixty second bits or whatever they want that's going to fit what you want because. I think the prize is you get your own quote-unquote Vegas show, which I don't know if it's happened to anybody, except I think Terry Fader got one who's really good. But uh, the idea that going in and doing 90 seconds of Flash on TV that's cut and edited 
would in any way translate to being able to stand on a Vegas stage for an hour or an hour and a half and entertain a thousand people is insane. It's it's a completely different uh, skill set and a completely different kind of entertainment. And I've grown up developing material to actually go to shows for people, to do live entertainment. And so, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff doesn't translate. I'm working on more stuff that will translate to TV just because it's good It's good to do TV. It, it helps set up your, your you know visibility and your, and your price. <laughs> but ultimately, I'm developing stuff for the shows that I do. Right. Uh, you know. Now, when, when you did get those TV, like, I, on the cruise ship, they always, you know, Matt Marcy, he's been on this show and this show. Did, did that really give your career a shot in the arm as far as... Yeah, it helps somewhat, and, and you get good footage. I mean, really, ultimately, the, the goal of trying to... I mean, you don't make money doing TV. TV is just advertising. Even David Copperfield did all those specials. He lost money on every one, but it was advertising for, right. for his show. So you get good footage, which, as you know, is very hard to get. Like, you, you're getting basically a free, fancy shot shoot of, of, of some trick in your show or some beast in your show, and you can send that footage out to potential buyers or agents or producers and use it for that. That's really, I think, the most valuable thing about doing TV is, you know, is that. And people think it's cool. We're Americans. We're obsessed with TV. We sure. think TV is the end-all, be-all. You're on TV, you're, therefore you're on you TV, must therefore, be right. You must be good. You must be famous. You must have done it because we're obsessed with that rather than, you know, we'd like to see whoever's the most talented in the best show, you know. Um, so, eh, you know, that, that. that's secondary. So, so yeah, of course, everybody wants to do TV. I'm curious, uh... Like, did you did you go into magic with any heroes or role models of like I really want to be like this guy or this guy inspired me to do this kind of thing? Well, you know, I mean, I think that uh, when I was growing up, David Copperfield was the superstar of magic, and he was truly a celebrity. I mean, not like Chris Angel is a celebrity; like he was really a, almost an A-list celebrity. You know, in the mid '90s when he was dating Claudia Schiffer, who was a supermodel who was huge at the time. And he, right. I mean, this was a guy who was going to the Oscars. He was he was visible. He was a big celebrity and at the same time he was like the best magician out there at least in terms of illusions like his magic is phenomenal and it was a really weird a lot of times you don't like I said before you don't get the most famous and the best magician are not the same people but in his case I think to a large degree it was his Mm -hmm. magic is really strong and he created his own sort of style and started developing really amazing illusions and I think that everybody at that time sort of looked at him. He influenced a lot of people, unfortunately, too much. A lot of magicians, even now, still from that time period, that era, are mimicking his style, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, I really appreciate him. And then a lot of other people within the world of magic, whose names you wouldn't know if you weren't in magic, but they were influential on me, especially in comedy magic, people who had, you know sort of blazed a path in that in that field and, and does. what about outside of magic like because you incorporate a lot of what I would call stand up or, or at least routines I love comedy I've always loved comedy um, and I love uh, I love Disney stuff I mean I was a big fan of Disney and that that was a big influence uh, I like music I incorporate a lot of music in my show and I choose it carefully I think in a weird way Magic and comedy and even music are sort of all related. They all deal with rhythm and timing. Um, And if you can, if you can keep the audience, the rhythm going and like segue from joke into magic into music, it can actually feel like a almost like a concert in a way uh, if it's done right. And you know, and like comedy, magic and comedy share share something which is important, which is they are based on surprise. You know, a punchline and a magic trick are based on surprise, on not knowing what's coming. You know, you don't repeat a magic trick, you don't repeat a joke because they don't work very well the second time. And and that's what's so interesting about them to me and why they, they mesh together uh, so nicely. Um, 
and, and you know, I, I never took the magic seriously. You know, I was never like David Blaine. Oh, I'm, this is real. I'm so <laughs> You know, it's like it, these are magic tricks. And they're cool, and they give you that sort of wonder, that amazing aha feeling. Um, but I like to surround them with you know comedy, entertainment, and that kind of stuff. If I ask you, let's say that I'm a 15 year old kid, and I'm like, I want to be a professional magician. What, if any, advice would you have? Don't. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I would say what I said at the very beginning, which is show business is 10% show, 90% business. If you really want to be a magician, you better decide to learn about the business because the shows are not going to fall out of the sky into your lap. Um, And uh, there's no career path that is beaten out for you or logical step to take. You know, you can build a website and advertise and, you know, get some shows and try and build your show. You, need, you know, you need to get good and you need to get to be a good performer and you need to learn how to market yourself. And, um, and, and I would say, you know, try to be original and do something on your own. But most, most magicians don't. It's, it's really, I mean, if you start hopping around the Internet and looking at promotional videos of magicians, they all feature the same tricks the same stuff I mean it just it feels very consistent yeah uh, except for a few out, outliers that feel different you know and uh, and they're competing with you you know they've got their webpage and they're trying to do it too and they're calling the same producers and agents and, and, and you know you gotta you gotta stand out somehow I'm curious about one thing is I of all the magicians I've ever seen I don't recall seeing any one of them without some kind of assistant some girl in some kind of flashy outfit uh, or multiple, you are the only one I've ever seen. And I didn't necessarily miss it. I didn't even think about it when I saw your show for the first time. Like, oh, there wasn't a, I didn't, it didn't bother me necessarily until I watched another magician. I was like, wait a second, Matt Marcy doesn't have right. some female next to him. Like, I, I have had, had female assistants in the show before, and I have done illusions. Um, and uh, I may go back to that sometime. I think that, that there's fun and it expands what you can do. Uh, when I did Illusions uh, with assistants, they were all comedy-based, like everything else I do. Yeah. Um, you know, a little sex appeal with the comedy can't hurt, I guess. But, you know, uh, right now it doesn't make sense for me traveling like I do to bring somebody with me. You, you don't get paid anymore for bringing a big box and a girl in terms of <laughs> So it's a, it's a lot of extra work and hassle for for that. And, um, you know, I did a theater show last year. Uh, that went up. Uh, I did two runs of it, a long weekend and a five-week run of a theater show. It was a 90-minute show called Disillusioned Confessions of a Serial Magician. (laughs) And it was a a one-man show that was really only about 25% magic, and the rest of it was storytelling and multimedia, and uh, and it's an actual narrative story that incorporates magic, and it's it's sort of my long-term project. Uh, But there is a girl in that show. And uh, it's an actress who plays a lot of scenes with me, but then also acts as an assistant uh, in that show. So I did get, I got to do that and that, which is, it's fun. You know, you yeah. choreograph the stupid cheesy dance numbers, and it's all played for comedy when I do it there. But it's, 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 it is fun to have a girl in the show. Uh, it just doesn't really make sense for me with the current show I'm doing right now. Yeah. Here on the show. Yeah. Now, if, uh, if somehow illusions and all magic were zapped away from the world, I don't know how that would happen, but let's just hypothetically say magic. it would. It would be magic. Uh, but if that happened, magic gone, what do you do with your life? I am fully unemployable <laughs> at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I would do in terms of uh, what I would want to do. I mean, I probably would still want to do something with entertainment. I like entertainment. It's what I know. It's what I do. You know, I mean, yeah, I went and got a fancy college degree, but it's been a lot of years, and I haven't done anything since then. So I either have to have my old friends lie for me and make up a resume, or I figure out my own path. I mean, that's what, being a magician is running your own business and, and, and you know, creating work out of nothing. I mean, that's the biggest trick is creating show, you know, work for yourself. And, and I'd have to find a way uh, to do that with something else, you know, I, I guess. I, I don't see myself as the kind of guy who would go get a 9-to-5 job unless I really had to. I just, it's not my, it doesn't work for me. I don't like it. I like thing. I, I like to have more control and to have freedom and, and variety, really. Like, I like uh, not having the same thing every day. And what, like, what in your life is, if, do you have a hobby or a, uh, do, you have, do you have something that you're kind of passionate about that has absolutely nothing to do with magic, other than your lovely wife, of course? Other than my lovely wife. She's a good hobby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of a, a political, a policy wonk and a political guy, you know. I mean, that was my interest in school, and, and I still follow pretty closely, and, and uh, um, and uh, and a lot of what's cool about magic is it's led me to learn a lot of have a lot of other skills. I learned to edit video because I edited my own promotional videos. With that. I learned to build websites. And I learned to create do graphic design and all this stuff that you have to do when you're young. and You can't hire anybody to do it. So I sort of and a lot of that stuff I really enjoy. And I've it's turned into other projects for me on some stuff. Uh, and I really I really like doing that stuff. And uh, I'm a Disney nut still. I'm a fan <laughs> of that. The fan of the Disney parks and, and things like that. I worked for Disney Imagineering as a consultant. For for a couple of years, and um, uh, and so you know all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a lot of it's entertainment related stuff. You know that's that's sort of what I what I love, and and uh, and seeing other shows, you know, and seeing seeing good shows and good entertainment and interesting entertainment. People trying to do new things and interesting things. You know, um, uh, it must be hard on a cruise ship. <laughs> on a cruise ship, it can be a challenge. Um, except for same, you, of course, because you're fantastic. Oh, it's always, thank you. It's always different. Amazing. I'm amazing. amazing. It's always different because it's the same show. <laughs> it's always the same different show. Um, uh, so, okay. And uh, the last thing. This is just total curiosity. Magic trick illusion. Is there any difference? Do you get hung up on that? I've I've heard like of magicians going. I'm not a I'm not a trickster. I'm not a magician. I'm an illusionist. Do you care? Is well, there, what does that mean? All right. So the word illusionist was made popular, I think, by David Copperfield, and I think the reason, my theory on the reason, is uh, because he got tired of the word magician because magician has so many stereotypical connotations to it that we were talking about before, you yeah. know? Oh, you're a magician. Make my wife disappear. Yeah, you're real funny, buddy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Pull a rabbit out of your hat. Yeah. It, it's just, people, it, 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 you know, it's, it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm a musician. Oh, yeah, I know, you know exactly what you do. Yeah, you do drugs on the road all the time. You know, like if there's yep. these stereotypes, and I think the illusionist sort of, in some part, separated it. Within the world of magic, the word illusion uh, refers mostly to larger tricks, tricks that involve other people or large props, that kind of thing. That's that subcategory. It's referred to as illusions. So Copperfield also doing a lot of those kinds of tricks. Yeah. He has a lot of other stuff too, but he has a lot of big tricks, which would be considered illusions within the breakdown of how you define magic. But at the end of the day, it's all illusion. 
I mean, unless someone's yeah. doing magic for real, it's all an illusion. It's the illusion of magic. It's the illusion of, you know, uh, of, uh, of, of wondrous things happening, of breaking the laws of physics, of, of, you know, recapturing that childlike sense of wonder. You know, not to sound cheesy, but that is sort of what it is. It's kind of what draws kids to magic and, and adults who aren't jaded and, and, and can, or can let that go to enjoy it. You know, people come up to me after the show and they say, I'm trying to figure that out. And I say... Don't try to figure it out. You know, just enjoy the wonder of it and, and the surprise and the amazement of it. I mean, that's that's sort of the point of it. It's not a puzzle. You know, I don't want to create puzzles for people. There's lots yeah. of puzzles out there. I want to create. Uh, I, I'm doing an illusion to create a, a feeling. You know, it is interesting to me that the comparison you made with a musician or with a comedian. Like, very rarely, if ever, is someone watching a guitarist and trying to figure out what chords they're playing or is someone watching a comedian and trying to figure out how they put together their punchlines they're just enjoying it but for some reason magic has that inherent thing of everyone wants to figure it out it does have that to some degree some of it's because a lot of magicians are bad and they create the character of I'm gonna fool you and I've always tried to entertain before fool uh, and I also think that you know uh, people have less exposure to magic yeah you know it's why magicians can get away with being more mediocre uh, and it's why magicians suffer from bad magicians. And there's a lot of them. You know, you don't you don't hear a bad band play. You don't hire a band for your party saying they're terrible. And you say, I'm never listening to music again. <laughs> but if you hire a magician for your party and they suck, you're probably going to say, I'm never going to see a magic show again. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate, but magicians get lumped together as all being the same because people really don't understand that they're different. It's why the greatest compliment I can get from people coming out of my show is, I don't like magic or magic shows, but I liked your show. And I think it's because they don't, it breaks all their expectations. They, they have a stereotype in their head that this didn't match. Yeah, my husband made me come see this. I didn't know that I liked magic shows. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of a thing because people just don't know much about the art form. Yep. Matt Marcy of mattmarcy.com if you want to. I guess on your website we can see, you know, if we want to hire you, we can Yeah, you go to the website to see some videos of stuff. Of my tens of listeners of my podcast. Of your your tens of listeners. Who knows? One of them could be a billionaire who wants to. You never know. And and I will give him a discount and only charge a couple of them. You heard it right here. Living the Dream Podcast. (laughs) If you're a billionaire. If you're a billionaire. You get a little bit of a discount. Thank you for being on the show. Life life pleasure. Thank you. Special thanks to Phil Ranta and the Comedy Podcast Network. Original music composed by Diana Lawrence. Email me at livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com.